0: On Inside Black and Gold. I am Jeff Nowak. This is the offseason. We are here. We're not getting any mock drafts today. We're not getting into 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 scouting. We're not talking about Michigan or Washington, although, you know, that game kind of let me down towards the end. I didn't start watching until halftime, and it only got worse after halftime. But anyway, I digress. We're talking about the Saints, and we're talking about, you know, we, we talked about Denny Sal in that first segment. And, you know, there, again, there, there's a lot of stuff that they have to fix. And, and I think getting those fixes is part of the deal. And if you don't, then I don't think he makes it through year three. And again, again and, and the funny thing is I look at it as, well, are you better off firing a head coach in year two and bringing a guy in midstream or should you th- instead allow a guy to have a pass fail season? And if they and if they kind of build on what they've done great, if they fall back to the earth, then that's when you fire him. And suddenly you are in a position where you can make some adjustments. you can trade off some guys and, and get some picks or you can you know have a high draft pick because you didn't play well enough to have a to have a low draft pick right And then you can go hire a coach with some with some you know coin in your pocket in terms of yeah, we got all these draft picks, we got all this ability to be flexible. let's let's do it. But at the end of the day for the Saints to, get to that first part, which is to hit the ground running next year and and put on a display that makes you feel like this was the right choice. They have to fix the culture of the locker room um, that, again, we talked about the Jeff Duncan column. He used the word splintered. I think that's a good word for it because I don't think it broke, but I think there were definitely elements of like, you know you know this piece broke off here this piece broke off here and why did that happen i think that's the biggest question is why did that happen one definitely definite point of contention in that locker room this year came it was between the 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 veterans and the expectations that the veterans had and the work that the veterans have become accustomed to putting in um and and, and again what they expect versus young players and how they have been working at the NFL level. You know, we talked to Cam Jordan about this. He didn't name names, right? He didn't look at it and say, well, this guy didn't do well enough. This guy didn't work hard enough. But he did point to this kind of the modern element of when he came into the league, you had to watch tape together. You had to to do your film study at the facility. And the community building that that, that that required I think was helpful or at least he definitely feels it was helpful um, in terms of making sure that everyone understands the amount of work that it, that is required. And, and now, and this isn't necessarily just the saints thing. This is an NFL thing with all the technology. A lot of that's done at home. A lot of times you are sent home with a, you know, with a tablet and said, you need to study this film at home. And what happens when that's not being done? Right. You know, we, we, everyone kind of joked about Kyler Murray a few years ago when the, when the Cardinals extended them and they put in the clause of like film study work. And, and it's like, well, why did they do that? Well, it's because of exactly what we're talking about right now. It's because that a lot of that work has to happen at home and you know, you, you got to trust the players to do that work. Um, and, and you know, it's tough because there's a certain point where it's like, yeah, these are people you need them to be able to decompress. You need them to be able to go home and play video games or, or do whatever, watch movies. They need to be able to be human beings. But there has to be a balance of like you can't go home and only play Xbox, and I think that's kind of the criticism of Kyler Murray is you know he's really good at Call of Duty because he spends a lot of time playing it, Uh, and I think the team is like can you spend some of that time looking at your tablet because we can see how much time you spend looking at your tablet. I don't think that this there's a nanny cam going on in terms of okay this guy did eight hours of film study when he was supposed to do eight and a half. Got call him in here. We gotta we gotta we gotta uh, you know ream out. But, you know, they're going to do an accounting at some point and they're going to say, dude, you only looked at your tablet. You only, you only did like three hours of film study on your tablet this week. You know, like you, you, you only did like, uh, you know, the last two weeks you did eight hours. You did, this week you did three. What happened? Because we need you to be prepared, you know, and, and those numbers don't. That's just an example. Don't take those for anything specific. But I think that's kind of some of the frustration with some of the veteran players who have an expectation versus some of the younger players who only know this and, you know, whether that's on the defensive side, like Cam was talking about, like I think that there, there was kind of a come to Jesus moment within the team where they established the expectations and what had to happen. But that's kind of like when you, when you get to more of a youth movement, that's when I think you see a kind of uh, difficulty in, in maintaining that locker room culture. And, you know, I, I think, one player that I look at and have serious questions about in terms of the commitment is Trevor Penning and, and how much work he's actually doing to improve. You know, and, and, and we're going to get into all the coaches and the questions with the coaching um, in the next segment. But he, he, here's, what, here's what Dennis Allen said when I asked him about the plan for Trevor Penning specifically, and the urgency behind that as you as you go into year three. When it comes to Trevor, obviously first round pick can't get out of the field in year two. How much urgency is there in regards to that? I think there's a, a big I think right? there's
1: a bigger urgency in terms of us uh, and in terms of him of needing to develop that player. Um, I think we need to develop that player um, we drafted him for a reason, I think he has talent um and and that's a guy that that we need to um, get the best we can out of him can we see somebody who could potentially switch positions? yeah, i mean i we'll we'll see you know um but I do think that's a player that that uh you know we need to develop
0: yeah, and I think the tone of that answer is telling in terms of like. You know, the the, the the coaching staff in the front office is aware that you can't bail on your first round pick. You can't just stop playing him. Like, you, you can't just say, well, not good enough, you know, because there's got to be a, a development plan. You can't be looking at it and saying, yo, yeah, yeah, Tommy Kramer, get in there. Trevor's active. He can't be your backup left tackle in a blowout win. That doesn't seem right. That seems like there's something more to it than that. And so you're, you have to ask, why did the Saints really bench Trevor Penning? Because I don't think it was for this guy can't get the job done. He's not talented enough. Right? So why did the Saints really bench Trevor Penning? And personally, I think it had to do with the preparation and, and how much work he was doing and how committed he was to his job. And, you know, like, and, and again, this is me don't take this as anything like that someone has said in terms of of a smoking gun. but I did talk to James Hurst and I asked him about Trevor, what Trevor needs to do and kind of his role, James's role in helping to um, lead a young player to where he needs to be and and develop. And again, this is not James telling you what I said. This is what James said, and I just want you to listen to what James said. And then make the decision for yourself if Trevor sounds like a player who is taking advantage of his opportunities to improve. Obviously, this yeah. is not an easy situation for that first-round pick. I think the expectation is for him to be in there and to not get much playing time in the second half of the season. Yeah. But what kind of advice would you give him going? Because you're a guy who obviously it took a while before you were yep. able to get to the starting job and yeah. develop. And so, what would you say to him in terms of how he needs to approach this offseason um, for his own?
1: Place? Yeah, I, would, um, I think the most important step um, in that process. There's just an old phrase that's no thyself Um, and I think he needs to take time to look at the film of the games he played look at practice uh, from day one of training camp until um, you know the last game that he played and to see what he got better at um, but then ultimately to see the things he has to work on, and see if there's consistencies there, and um, if there are consistencies, then man, he's just got to go all in and and fix those um, because glaring weaknesses in the NFL, they are just completely taken advantage of. Um, and so I think he knows that, he's got a taste of you know uh, what it's like on Sundays and um, how defensive linemen in particular see the film, watch the film, and then choose how to attack you uh, the following week. So now that he's got a taste of that, I man, I think. think. I think it really just comes back to um, a self scout and and trying to shore up the things that um, he can be better at.
0: And as a a veteran is that something that you you have a role in terms of just kind of helping a young player? How how do you view your role in that?
1: Yeah I think um, as a veteran player I've played in a lot of football and and seen a lot of football and I just want to be available right Um, and you know you have to let the player obviously I have to tell Trevor that anyone else would have to make that known to any younger player that I'm available love to help any way that I can um, be any asset Um, but at the end of the day you can you know lead a horse to water but you can't make him drink so uh, it always comes down to the player taking the initiative Um, and if he feels like you know talking to an older player is a benefit that he can reap then then that's what he should do Um, and if not that's okay too Um, but it but it always goes back to the player on taking that initiative
0: you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. We've all heard that phrase before. I don't want to hear it about a young player who's who's needing to improve because to me that indicates he's not doing the work. Um, and so, like I think, you know, we, we look at it and we say, this seems inexplicable. Why wouldn't you play Trevor Penning? Because he's not ready to play. That's why you don't play Trevor Penning. And and that's that's on a lot of people but it's at the end of the day it's got to be on Trevor. He's got to work hard, he's got to be better. And I think when you look at splintering, when you look at things not going the way you'd hoped and you look at players maybe not being fully committed that's something that has to change. And 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 again it's like you could tear it all down, you could start fresh with an entirely new support system and and staff but is that the answer or is the answer to make some cultural tweaks and and this is i you know, i think the the team has kind of effectively admit, admitted that that things are going to be changing we just don't know what and i think you know Dennis Allen talked for 46 minutes and a lot of people said 46 minutes of bullshit but i actually think in that interview in that 46 minutes you got some really interesting answers and you actually heard him kind of let the let the let the veil down a little bit on on how things have gone and you know like like, do you move on from, from, you know, it? do you still revolve your offense around Alvin Kamara or is it time to, to have a youth movement at running back, right? Do you move on from a Marshawn Lattimore to open up an outside cornerback spot for Alante Taylor, which I think is the move you make? Do you, do you do that, right? Like like Cam Jordan, I think, is a lifer. He's basically a coach on the field at this point. So you're not talking about moving on from him. Demario Davis is eternal. Tyron Matthew is eternal. Both guys still playing at an extremely high level. So you're not moving on from them. But you do have to make some decisions. I think Marcus May is a guy that I don't necessarily want to see back. You know, I, I think that whether whether it makes sense contractually, I don't see how having him on the roster has benefited you when you could replace him with a young player. Um, Or a veteran like Jonathan Abram. Like, what did you see out of Marcus May the last two years that you didn't get out of uh, Jonathan Abram in the last two weeks of the season? You know, and and I also like Jordan Howden. He's going to be in year two. So, like, players like like that, the veteran players who aren't necessarily who you can't look at and say, this guy has lived up to the expectation, this guy has pulled his weight. And those are the changes that I think you need to make because, again, You look at it and you say, okay, there were fractures in the locker room. There were issues. But that's not the first time that's ever happened in the history of the NFL. I would say that it's more often than not that you have moments like that throughout the course of the season. Even good teams have moments like that throughout the course of the season where some stuff needs to be ironed out. These are humans. These are adults. And they're not... And they're, and they're young adults. Like they're, you know, we're talking 22, 25, 27-year-old guys. We're not talking like your, your grandfather here. We're talking emotional humans who have other things going on. Like we talk, I talked to Derek McCoy about the fight with, with Derek. And while he wouldn't, wasn't going to go into specifics, you know, he, he admitted that one of the reasons that happened was because he was bringing stuff from home that, you know, were, were stressors for him into the locker room and he shouldn't have done that. And that's kind of what led to that, right? And so like, I don't think a lot of people think about it that way in terms of these are people who you, you need to, you need to massage everything individually. And that's what Dennis Allen, when I criticize him and I say, I don't know if he is the guy, that's what I don't necessarily think he understands is how to handle people. And so can you make those cultural adjustments? Who do you bring in on the coaching staff, right? Like who do you, what changes do you make? What is not resonating from some of these people? And if you can do that, if you can, if you can locate that, then I think you can, then you can find a way. But, but I think that's, that's kind of my, my read on it is, you know, Mickey Loomis confirmed that he had a meeting with, with the players, right? With just the players. And it's not something that he necessarily does. Actually, let's just listen to what Mickey, Mickey said on, on this week. Yeah. I, you know, look, I did do that. Um, I don't do it very often. And it's really a message just for the players.
1: And so I'm going to leave it at that. Um, You know, trying to set the tone uh, for what we expect going forward. And, and I thought it was uh, well received.
0: Yeah. And and like Mickey said there, that's not something he does regularly. He did it this year because it it was important to kind of set this tone. And I think the reason is because you do know there's a lot riding on next season. You do know that you need things to come in and be right. Otherwise it'll be wrong real fast. Um, And, and so, like, wh- when you decide to stick with the head coach, it's because a vast majority of the team is still on board, and, and you saw that in the final four to f- you know in the final month plus of the season, that there are there is a core group on this team that is not is playing well and is fully committed, and that's who you're building around. You can you can replace certain pieces, you can replace whatever, but if the idea is we feel like this core group can win, then that's what you do. And so you feel like you look at it and you say, well, we have, we have young players in Chris Olave and Rashid Shaheed and A.T. Perry and Kendra Miller, you know, the latter of whom I, I had a lot of serious questions about. And I know a lot of people did, but I think he showed in week 18, why you drafted him and what he can do. Uh, you know, Jawan Johnson's a young player, right? You know, you have an offensive line that played better throughout the course of the season and needs to be upgraded, but can be upgraded, right? you have, You have the opportunity to do that, you know. You have you have a defense that is infusing some young players, right? And and hopefully can continue to build that defensive line. I think that's my biggest question: is how can you how can you add pieces to that defensive line, and how can you get more out of the players that you have? You know, like how do you how do you kind of and do you bring back Zach Bond? Do you adjust your Sam linebacker role to be that kind of permanent situational rusher that worked has has worked well each of the last two seasons? Those are the type of questions that you have to answer, and it will know pretty quickly. Like it, it it's not going to take long to identify whether a lot of these changes have have resonated or worked. But they have to work, right? And and I know people are frustrated with with Mickey. I know people are frustrated with the loyalty this front office seems to have to certain people, to certain players. And I get it. I understand it. But I don't think that. The answer is change everything about your your identity just to make things work right now. You know, and and it, and it is funny. Like I hear about how things don't work, but then you know, Kai Harley and Jeff Ireland are getting interviewing or interviewing for GM jobs every year, right? So 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 clearly something's resonating in terms of teams around the league seem to feel like the Saints are doing something right. But then all I hear about is all the Saints in the front office is a laughing stock. Uh, I don't, I don't know. That seems odd to me. It seems odd that they would be getting pieces poached off if, if the, if the approach is so bad. Um, so, so I don't know. I, I I think that's, that's interesting, but no, I mean, like, again, like I, I get it. People are frustrated. They want things to be perfect right now. And I would love for things to be perfect right now. But I think that again, there are changes you have to make. There are adjustments you have to make. And you're gonna see if you can do that next year, and you're gonna and you're gonna learn a lot about exactly who the squeaky wheels have been, who may not have been fully on board, based on some of the moves you make, right? Like like that's gonna be that's gonna be very telling of of who was, who 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 you feel like was not pulling their weight, who was not doing the work, who who was not where they need to be, particularly on the veteran side based on who you bring back, if you make any trades, make any adjustments, right? Like like everyone wants to look at the CJ Gardner-Johnson trade on its face and say, well, that wasn't a very equitable trade. You didn't get much back in that trade, but you made that trade because you had to, because there was just not a player that was willing to toe the line, you know, keep both hands on the rope and not be causing problems. Because I think when you... When you look for a team that that does things the right way, that's those are the type of pieces. And we can pretend, and we can pretend this is the first time this has ever happened in the NFL, right? Where a team has had some splintering, some issues crop up throughout the course of the year. But like you know, and that's one of the funny things to me is we have a frame of reference for this type of situation, right? One of those. You know we talked about the three-year coaching cycles last uh, last segment um, and one, one three-year cycle that, you know, in a lot of instances probably would have cost a guy a job is, uh, you know, 2014 to 2016 with Sean Payton and the team goes seven and nine, three years in a row, you know, you know, and and, and I know Jeff referenced in his, this in his column, but you know, like that wasn't just the players, you know, Zach Street sat down in, in a room with Sean Payton and said, you've got to get your shit together because what's going on out there is not good enough. And we both know that we were both here for the run of time when everything was going the way it was supposed to. And we did things a certain way and we believed in certain things. And now those things aren't happening. So how do we fix it? And how do we go about getting this right? And you, you made some changes. You made some cultural tweaks. Think about this. You traded Brandon Cooks, right? Like like we can pretend that the thing we're, what we're seeing with Michael Thomas right now is is completely out of left field, but we saw a very similar thing happen with Brandon Cooks. And what did you do with Brandon Cooks? You traded him. You moved on from him because you felt like Michael Thomas was the piece that you wanted and the offense worked the way you wanted it with him and So you moved on from a first-round pick in lieu of a of a second-round pick who had a very strong rookie season, and you see you saw the results of that over the you know you had a franchise-altering draft in 2017. You you got the right pieces in, and you saw that run of success, right? I don't think you would get there if you pulled the trigger too early and not and not hold the course, right? Like, do you bring in a new coach after the third, seven, and nine season, and then what happens, right? Like you you don't know. You're introducing variables. And, you know, I think that's where you're at now, right? You're, you're looking at this, a similar thing right now. And, and I think, and, and you're hoping that you can do it again. Uh, but I think like, again, you're, you're trying to figure out where this front office head is at and that's where their head is at is we've been here before. You have, you have been in a very similar situation now, the biggest difference, obviously. And you're going to say this, and I'm going to say this is Dennis Allen and Derek Carr over here versus Sean Payton and Drew Brees over here. And I get that. I get that. But you're being loyal to your guys. And you're trusting that the cultural shifts can be made. And you're going to see a lot more of what you saw weeks 17 and 18 compared to what you saw you know, weeks 10 and 12. And with that, I will end this segment. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about coaches. We're going to talk about who maybe might be on the hot seat, what the evaluation process is going to be, and when it's going to start, and when you can expect to start hearing some names crop out, crop up as potential fires. But that's it for this segment. We will come back. I'm Jeff Nowak. This is Inside Black and Gold. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. Otherwise, stick around.